Hello, and thank you for coming to listen to me. This is Danny with the Selectivity Podcast, a branch of Health Be Mind. And you can find more information about Health Be Mind by visiting the website www.healthbemind.life. I have some new Selectivity gears on the website as well as my book, Brown Girl All Caught Up, that features Selectivities and some self love uh, games and concepts and stories and so forth it's a really good book you should check it out you can also read it for free if you find brown girl all caught up on amazon.com you can just go ahead and do that free trial doing that free trial you can read the book for free all right so moving on i want to go back to the end of the last activity podcast I had a question, right? And remember, a question is our quest towards the solution. When we have a question, we want to, you know, present some solutions or get some ideas and different perspectives from other people and then even research that to get some answers that might put us in a different direction, right? So my question was, what type of person would you be if you erased your traumatic experiences? And then I added some depth to that question and said, what traumatic experience would you erase? So I got a few people um, that gave me some feedback, which I was actually happy about. So thank you guys for actually paying attention to me <laughs> and these questions that I have. And I overall received an answer that people did not want to get rid of their traumatic experience. They said that their traumatic experience made them more of who they were, right? It allows them to be passionate about a cause. And so, therefore, there would be nothing they would change. Even though they were going through whatever they were going through at that time and it felt, you know, heavy and it felt hard, at the end of the matter, they were happy that they went through it. Okay? So, and I want to say, I'm going to add my perspective um, to the basket or the stew or whatever. (laughs) So I definitely can align with that. I can align with that response or those responses that say, Hey, I wouldn't get rid of any traumatic experiences because if without them, I'd probably be a careless person and things like that. So when I thought about the question, my first answer was the same. And then I thought about it some more. And I said, why does everything have to, why does a negative traumatic experience have to make me who I am, right? If, if I, if my goal as a parent, right, is to create an environment for my child, the best environment for my child, I am going to implement, you know, certain activities, I'm going to implement uh, certain people, the village, I'm going to implement certain rules or, you know, I guess, lifestyle goals for my household, right? And I'm hoping that as I implement these things, that it makes my children better people or it makes my children more insightful and more free. And the reason why I bring this up is because... I don't want traumatic experiences to make my child, right? I want healthy experiences to make my child. So although a person can go through their life and not gain a lot of character because maybe they didn't get raised in the hood, so they they really don't know the struggle, or maybe they didn't have something horrible happen to them, so they don't have enough, they're not enough to be a person. But when you really look at it, I think we've trained our mindset to believe that a traumatic experience, a traumatic experience or traumatic experiences make a person. But does that have to be our truth? So I want to go in the other direction. I want to train my mindset and train the mindset of my children to create a happy place and then in that happy place grow from there, right? Just be more insightful about other people's experiences. Be more insightful about your world, where you can change it, and how you can use what you're passionate about to be the person you are because you're learning about the things around your world and where you want to change it, right? Because if I'm the creator of my world, I'm going to create a world where I am 
happy, you know, and I can pull the best of me from a happy place instead of pulling the best of me from a place that, you know, drained me, right? And this is my perspective because I want to see how powerful our world can be if we start going in a direction where we can minimize the trauma, right? And the only reason why we're minimalizing the trauma is not to say that that didn't happen to you or to disregard it. But the first thing to do is just is just be intimate, right? Be intimate with that traumatic experience. And you're being intimate by analyzing everything that happened. Why do you think it happened? You know, what, what is, how did it make you feel? You know, how is it making a difference in the relationships around you? How is it making a difference in, you know, how you go about going after what's important to you? Is this traumatic experience, um, holding you back and at that and this is why I say it's very powerful when we become the creators of our world right because I think it's a very powerful concept to take a traumatic experience and say hey this traumatic experience made me a better person this traumatic experience makes me stronger I think we do that on our own we had to take that and we had to make it something that helped us right that is the ultimate goal. And that's really what we're going to have to do because some of us have traumatic experiences, negative experiences, bad experiences that are cultivating the next step in our world. So we do have to become more powerful after the fact, right? But if we created a world where we eliminated more of those, you know, I can see nothing but good of that. If we took away traumatic experiences, why would we want them in here? Why does a traumatic experience have to make us who we are is, you know, my standpoint. And going back to analyzing your experience, and this is how you minimize it, is that you make it small by realizing that it doesn't control you. It doesn't make you. You are who you are because at the root of of your being, there is no trauma, right? You are whole without having a traumatic experience. You are whole because you sat there and took the time to get to know who you are. What's important to you, right? What sparks you? What makes you passionate about life? What makes you happy? What makes you smile? And any and all of that does not have to come from a traumatic experience. So I definitely want us just to, you know, not take my opinion and say that's that's fruit, right? Because honestly... Even if I wanted to get rid of traumatic experiences, the truth is that a lot of us have them, right? But I think my mindset is going towards if I could if I could be the god in my world, right? If I could minimize that happening, especially me being a parent and you know having that type of role, what type of tactics would I use to make it that my children can still be raised to be good, powerful, life-changing beings without having some type of experience to, to scar them, you know, because they do leave scars, and scars are beautiful. We make, you know, some cultures have the, the ability to make something beautiful out of something horrible, and that is an art in itself, and it's so loving. Like, I just appreciate that type of art. But I also appreciate art that just comes from happiness. Art that just comes from wholeness. Art that just comes from, this is my passion and I love it. And look what I can make out of being happy. Right? Because happiness seems so far-fetched in the world that we are in. It seems like, oh, if someone's too positive, it's like, oh, you know, they don't get life. And they keep saying, think positive and that's horrible. And all these things, all these type of things. But why? You know, why? Why? If they feel good. If they are happy, let them be happy because we need that energy to permeate this world. You know, we need that more because if, the ne- if negative energy is the larger or has the most vibration moving, then that's what, we th- that's what we're going to assess to being true, that, we, that life is hard. Everything has to be hard or there is some negativity. Balance is important in our world, right? Because we have to realize that no matter how happy we want to be, that there are going to be times where there's going to be that dark side. And that dark side versus that happy side needs to find that balance, right? But if we can be 
I guess, just present, right? Present with everything, you know, we can eliminate a lot of the heaviness and pressure of the dark side, you know, when it comes our way. And then we can get through things a lot faster, you know? We, the point of the matter is, is we don't want to stay in our dark places for too long, right? And for some of us, we don't have a choice, you know? You know, if we don't do anything about it, you know, if we don't seek um, professional help, if you have anything where you're on a spectrum or you need to see um, therapy or anything like that and you don't want to do it, you might be there a little bit longer. And you might have to come to the point where you realize, hey, I need this help. But for others, it may not be as extreme. We may need to talk to someone. We also may be the therapist, but we may not be in the position where we can't take control. Like, we do have a little bit more control and more power. Then we need to do it. We need to apply it, you know. And that's why it's so important for us to um, pay attention to ourselves and to our world and take care of ourselves. So, that was... My answer, or, you know, my perspective or viewpoint on that question, and once again, I want to say thank you to those who decided to entertain the question with me. Okay, so here we go. I have a new question, right? And that's going to lead me to my self-tivity. So, my new question is what do you do if you're dealing with someone a family member who is mentally ill and negative right and it impacts you so I actually got this question from a close friend of mine and I was like wow it's such a good question because I really had to think about it and I had to think about it from my experience you know and I also had to research it from a perspective where people actually dealt with it like if you were the person who was the friend right or the lover or the family member and you were successful with you know coming to a conclusion where you had someone in your life who was dealing with a mental illness and mental wellness and it was impacting you, what were their results or what were their strategies for using it? So that's how I went about um, answering this question is that I took my insight and I definitely um, researched the insight in that parameters where it was the people who were actually dealing with it and not some far-fetched, you know, computerized answer, okay? And... So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you think you all who may have this experience or just interested in what to do, things to think about, because I, I'm not a therapist, just a friend, <laughs> you know, um, who's passionate and advocate about these things. And I definitely um, believe in, you know, us healing ourselves and us being the people who can, you know, self-meditate with you know action and with our thinking process and not actually something you know outside of you know yourself you know we're using ourselves in order to get to a better goal or solution so the first thing I want to say um to answer this question is I found a quote as I was doing my research um and this was from NAMI Uh, I worked with NAMI when I was in college um it is NAMI stands for the National Alliance Mental, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, and you can find um, details about them if you're not already familiar um, at their website www.nami.org. And NAMI definitely focuses on, you know, the family and having those resource groups for people who are dealing with mental illnesses. And providing that perspective where it's not a stigma to people. And I think we're, we're, we're in a good direction. You know, people are talking more about self-wellness and self-care where it's no longer becoming a stigma. But I'm really surprised that it's still the stigma in some places. I'm like, wow, we don't get it yet? Or, you know, is it that we don't get it yet because, you know, we don't have that empathy? 
So this, that's the first thing I want you guys to think about is empathy. And empathy is basically you're not comparing how you feel or what you think about the issue um, that your partner or your family member is going through as if it's your world. You are merging yourself into their world and saying, hey, I understand first and foremost what you're going through. I get it. I mean, I don't understand. I may not understand, but I'm here for you. Right. And I understand that there is something and thank you for sharing it with me. Right. And then from there, you say, I don't have the answers, but I want to be here for you. Right. And this method is a lot different than you saying, oh, it could be worse. Like, at least you got a house over your head and at least you have food on the table. And these are things to be thankful about, of course. But when you're dealing with someone and it definitely depends on what's going on with them. Um, when it's adverse to what you're, what you're familiar with, you got to kind of step outside yourself and say, and, and, and admit that you might not understand, you know, because you haven't felt it. You're not familiar with it, or maybe you have denied it and you don't want to believe it, but they are going through it. And if they are accepting the fact that they're going through it, you especially want to be, you especially want to have empathy because this is going to allow them to be more transparent and more open to what the next the next steps are for them, right? A lot of times when people don't understand that someone is going through something, they can use sarcasm. And this is definitely, you know, a side, you know, far away from empathy where, you know, they might feel like someone is crazy. You know, the things they're doing is driving them crazy. And in the middle of the heat of an argument, they're like, Yo, you need to see help. You need to see a therapist. I don't know what's wrong with you, you know? And that's like one of those lines where you don't even know. Like, okay, are they saying that because they're trying to hurt me, you know? Or are they saying that because they really think I need it? And now if they're saying it like that, do I feel helped, you know? Um, So that's the first thing I want you all to think about is empathy. If we don't understand it and we don't have the education on it, don't compare it against your own unless you are also dealing with that and you have come you come out of it and you know what to say to that person based on your experience and based on your solutions for your experience right that's when you can come and say you know I do understand and this is what I've done right but this for this particular question the person needs to know what they what, what they should do if they're dealing with someone like that The next thing I want you guys all to think about or anyone dealing with this scenario is your loved one needs support, right? Like I said earlier, there's a stigma around mental illnesses, you know, depression, anxiety, especially if you're speaking to the older generation, they're like, "Uh uh-uh, you need to go drink some water, take a bath, you know, just deal with it right or bottle it up in some type of religious form right and that can be an asset for those who need who are you know religious but it doesn't have to be the end of solutions there are definitely a lot more solutions that we all can obtain if we move forward in looking for solutions so that next thing is to definitely understanding need your support so if they don't know what's going on with them or they haven't actually um come up with that there's definitely going to be a delicate topic so you have to be sensitive but let's say that the person feels like there is something going on with them and there's the stigma your job is to be supportive right and and don't approach it to disempower them, to make them feel like be little, like, oh, my little cupcake, you're so sad. You're so have things going on with you, little cupcake. You know, don't make them feel like, you know, they're not a person anymore or that they're not, you know, human, you know, and strong and of power because they are. They have something disattached to them right now that is blinding them from their power. So you want to be the support system that gives them back their power. And if, if, you, if you come to them in a perspective where it's like, I want to talk to you, you know, not in the middle of an argument, not in the middle of something going on, just a different space where you are 
conscious or aware of the time that you're doing it, right? You want to do it where it's, it's, you know, you're coming heart to heart. I'm having a heart to heart with you. And I feel like we need to check into what, what may be going on with you. And let them know that you're there for them, of course. And if they want to, you know, seek help, if they have a support group they can go to, that you would be willing to go with them. They want to go and seek therapy, that you will help them, you know, do the things that they need to find a solution for their situation. So we have empathy, and then we have showing support, right? The next thing is to, if you are going to go about being with someone or if it's your family member and you have no choice but to be there in love and support you have to take care of yourself right you have to have you have to have support system for yourself or outlets for yourself to make sure that you don't get swallowed up by the impact of being with someone or having someone in your life and family that has this imbalance right so you definitely want them to look for support groups and have support groups and you need them for yourself. The other thing is, it's going to be tricky and you have to, you know, have a heart to heart with yourself, whether or not, you know, if this is, if this is a lover or this is a family member, if you have to keep your distance, right? Or if you don't want to, if you feel like it's too heavy for you to deal with because you're looking more at the illness instead of the person. Um, you have to maybe take some time out so that you can learn how to come back and approach the person without looking at them and just seeing their illness, right? You have to look at the person as if you're taking away the illness and you're looking at who they are, right? And if you are unable to do that at the time, you have to be honest with yourself and remove yourself from the situation. And if you care about that person and you want to be in their life and it is important to you, then your next step is to educate yourself, on whatever is going on with them, right? If they if they find out that something's going on with them and they have been able to put something, you know, align it with something, they could say, oh, this is PTSD, this is depression, this is schizophrenia, this is bipolar. And now you know what it is, right? Your next step is to educate yourself. Because if you educate yourself, you can know what the best method is to deal with it, Right? Maybe it's the person has isolated themselves from you, right? And their, I guess, their point for isolating themselves from their family and friends is because they didn't want to hurt them, right? And they didn't want to put the heaviness on them. Some people don't have that awareness, and so they do put the heaviness on everyone else. And not that they want to, it's just that they haven't really analyzed for themselves how they want to deal with it. And it's going to be different, you know, from case to case. But the the best thing you can do is educate yourself so you know how to interact with them, you know, what to do next. And if they are getting treatment, if they are getting, you know, counseling, then you will also see a different part of them, you know, because they are applying the solution. And that is one of my next points for us to think about is you will not be able to be the superhero. You're not going to be able to be the superhero. You have to let that person be the superhero because this is their issue, right? Or this is this is their world. Let's put it. This is the world that they have right now. And in their world, they need to be the superhero, which means no matter how much you may talk to them, no matter how many things you feel like you can say, like, oh, just eat right, just exercise, they have to say to themselves, I think there's something wrong. And after that, they have to apply the action and do something about it. You will not be able to change that. You can help. You can be a support. But you won't be able to make that ultimate change or do anything about it unless they change. And this is going to be important when you determine whether or not you have to isolate yourself from someone. Is because if they don't want to make the, the change, if they're not willing to make the change, you will get hurt. You will get hurt. And it's going to be hard, right? And so you have to definitely analyze the situation. And if it's, you know, if it's something, like if it's your, you know, if it's your family member, your child, and you have no choice, you know, then 
your goal is to continue continue to be consistent with being subtle about how to get them to that solution. And I think with that consistent support and actually showing them love and actually seeing them from who they are is what's going to be the motivating factor for them. Sometimes in our lives, you know, we are inspired to make a change because there hasn't we haven't been exposed to something greater. We haven't been exposed to that that feeling that says, oh, we're in power. Like, it's okay. It's okay for me to be vulnerable. It's okay for me to be powerful. It's okay to be, for me to be loved. It's okay for me to be great. Some of us haven't been exposed to that situation for it to click off and be empowered, which is why it's going to be important for you to be consistent and subtle with, hey, I want to be there for you. you. And then that's why you have to go back and retract and go heal your and heal yourself and these support these support groups find a local support group in your in your area and you might find more ideas about how it help help them and what they do to get along the process but if you have this and it's, it's close at home you have no way out you can't just eliminate yourself from the situation consistency love and support support for yourself and support for them it's going to be important So the last thing I have for this is to separate the illness from the being, right? Is that we have to remember that the illness is causing the strife. The illness is causing the disconnect. The illness is causing the heaviness and the backlash. Don't make it about you and don't take it personal, right? We could sit there and we could fight the illness, like, you know, but it, it would ultimately seem like we're fighting that person, right? When they come and they say something that makes you feel bad out of their, you know, out of what they're dealing with, you have to say, hey, I know this much about myself. I know that it's not true, right? This is why it's going to be really good, you know, coupling self-tivity and coupling support groups with, you know, you know, always constantly evolving yourself is going to be important because now when somebody comes at you with something opposite about what you know about yourself, there is no impact. There's no damage. The damage control is because you know about yourself. You have been investing so much good in yourself that when you get somebody that's trying to like bounce some negativity onto you, When it bounces off of you, it goes so far that we don't even remember that it happened. Because that's how good you're dealing with yourself. So a lot of this is going to be focusing on yourself. you got to go back to yourself. Remind yourself of who you are. Which is why um, self-tivity is so important to me. It's because a lot of people get it twisted when you start putting self in there. or Or you put self... You know, it's all about self or even taking a selfie, you know, people are like, oh, that's so, you know, ego twisted and that's da 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 ding, ding, ding. But the more time we focus on ourselves, the better we can be to other people, the better we can be to our world, the better we can be to whatever we want to apply self to. I was going to go something, say something exaggerative, but I'm going to stop myself there. And now we're going to go ahead and move our way to my self-sufficient statement for today, um, which is, I have a healthy relationship with negative equity because I strategize the best way to minimize the negative equity in my relationship with others and finances. Okay, so... uh, This is my self-sufficient statement for this week. And it's very important to me because I learn a lot about negative equity when it comes to finances. And I want to share it with you all and the importance of learning finances and how we can compare that to self. Okay. So as I go into this self-tivity statement, I do want to remind you that I'm going to be going back and forth between the relationship with money and a relationship with self as we talk about negative equity. So having this, having this healthy relationship with negative equity, right? So first, the thing we want to do is talk about what that actually is. What is negative equity? Um, 
So let's say a thing was originally priced at a particular value, right? And in some cases, depending on the item in question, this item loses its value over time. And you start owing more on that item than it's actually worth. So let's use a car, for example. Cars are the worst investments ever because they depreciate over time. You know, you're, you're, start, you're pulling yourself into something negative, right? That at the end is not going to have any value, right? For the most part. That's, this is how it generally happens when you invest in a car, especially a car loan or car lease. Stay away from car leases. And I can definitely do another episode on that, but I kind of want to stay in my time frame. So let's say you have a car loan and you've had a car loan. Let's say you had a car loan and at the, the car is now, when you signed a lease, the car was worth $30,000, right? As soon as you drop, drive it off the lot, it is now less than $30,000, right? It's worth less. You put some miles on it, it's not that anymore. And then over time and over years, that $30,000 car is goes down, right? It's not worth that. It's now $25,000 or anything like that. And so as the years go, so um, does the value of the car. So what is my goal when I talk about my self-tivity statement? I say I have a healthy relationship with negative equity because I strategize the best way to minimize my negative equity in my relationship with others and finances. So my ultimate goal is to attain positive equity, right? And how do I do that? Making wiser decisions, making wiser decisions by researching instead of acting on impulse or on fear. See, this is how we get ourselves in debt. We have to be more conscious about our financial purchases and about the people we let in our lives. The question at the end of the day is, is this transaction worth it, right? And sometimes you can make a transaction worth it by assessing what you're able to invest, right? What are you able to put down? Here's what I learned about buying a car. If you buy a car, you want to make sure that you understand the number of miles on that car, right? What has that car been through, right? Same in a relationship. If you're getting into a new relationship, that person may not be new. So they are just like a car that has been used, right? And in some of us, we have dealt with people who felt like they were used in their previous relationships, right? They may have felt a lot of different emotions and been through a lot of different things that we don't know about because we didn't have these conversations, right? So the goal is when you get into a new relationship is if this relationship is something that's worth going all the way with, you need to learn about the miles that's been on that person. You know, learn as much as you can about them because if you learn as much as you can, you know how to navigate the situation a lot better, right? You don't want to go, we may be going into a relationship with negative equity. And we may be going into a relationship with negative equity, in some cases knowing and in some cases not knowing, right? And if we're not, if we don't know and we don't have any intentions on learning about the person, we may find ourselves in more debt at the end of that relationship, if it ends, right? Or it may be a struggle to get month by month. What, what do you have to, you might be having to pay more attention or pay more, you know, time than it would have been if you really would have chopped at it at the beginning. Look at the the value and what it's worth in the beginning. But there's strategies, you know, there's methods that you can use. I'm about to go back to the car, y'all, follow me. There are strategies that you can that you can apply when you're buying a car, right? And for time's sake, I definitely will keep this short, but I, I'm going to have an, another post um, on YouTube where I go into the different types of ways 
um, car buying can work in your favor versus, you know, when it's not the best choice. But if you're buying a car, you want to make sure that you can at least put 20% down. And if you put 20% down on that car, this is important because there's a thing called a loan-to-value ratio, right? The loan-to-value ratio means that you might be paying your loan, right, off with an interest rate that is high. And as you're doing that, the car is depreciating its value, And so you are paying more money than the car is worth, right? And when you're done paying, because the interest rates are so high, you, you you know, you, there's a, there's a debt left over. There's, you could be paying $27,000 for a car and it can be, ended up being 20. And that really could be, a lot of that could be because of the interest rate, Right. And this happens because you you have to be you have to be in front of the game in the beginning. So if you put down uh if you put down twenty percent of the loan and that's that's just like a safe number. You put twenty percent down on that loan, you're getting ahead of the game. And then you also want to make sure that you're paying your payments towards your principal because you want to pay towards what matters, right? And what matters is that you get that car, that the value of that car down so that interest rate does not impact you over time and you end up paying more towards the interest than you are towards the car, right? So talking, speaking of interest rates, when it comes to finances, interest rates are going to be in your favor if you have good credit. This is what I'm going to call crefidence. It's another word I made up. You will get used to me making up a lot of words. Crefidence is combining confidence with credit, right? You want to be able to walk into a dealership and say, I have the confidence to buy that car because my credit is good. I've done my research and I can get that at a low interest rate, low payment, right? If you build your credit... Your interest rate won't be as high. So if your interest rate is not as high, that means you can, and you put your down payment at 20%, you're investing in the beginning of this financial deal and just find a relationship with your finances or the relationship with you buying this car. You are getting yourself ahead of the game so that at the end of it, it was all worth it. Right? You want it to be worth it. A lot of times when people buy a car and they buy it blindly and they buy it out of the fear of their situation or just impulse, you're going to end up in a situation where it wasn't worth it. How do you make a relationship worth it? At the beginning, you do the things that you need to do in order to assess if it's worth it or not. First of all, do I have what do I have the money or the time or the energy when it comes to relationship, time and energy to take on this relationship? In some case money, right? You want to be able to if you, you want to be able to support what it takes to be in a relationship, the mindset, right? You have to have the you know the confidence within yourself, the love for yourself before going in. Because if you're going in there with a negative equity, you have to realize how you're going to turn that to positive equity. And sometimes you know there are people in your life that change your world, right? So that negative equity, you're chipping at that negative equity with each other because you guys do something great for each other. Right. But we need to notice in the beginning, we have to assess and ask questions and get intimate to make sure it's, you know, it's not like the first date. You're going to be like, hey, I need to know about all your traumatic experiences. I mean, you could, but I'm just saying you might not want to go that deep. But when you get to the point where you got that spark and you got that chemistry and you had a few months in and you're like, okay, this is what I want. Then you start to get into what really matters. You can't be afraid of it. If you're going to say this person is going to be with you for the rest of your life, you can't be afraid of. So you definitely want to make sure that you have the time, the energy, the love for yourself. Okay? Back to finances. When you're purchasing that vehicle, the thing that's going to be in your favor is to pay your debt. Right? That's how your credit score increases as well. You know, you can pay your debt and... 
you're getting your debt to income ratio down. So it's more likely that a bank is going to find you credible. Right. If you are you are used to paying off your debt, if you're going to take on credit card payments, you know, you need to learn how to manage them and know the game. Only use 30% of the credit limit, right? Make sure you pay your on-time payments because this is what makes up your score. Don't leave it alone. Don't neglect it because credit is powerful, right? And we can fix that, you know. We can fix our credit. I am definitely very intimate with this relationship between finances, credit, and the power from it. If you want more resources, I, you can send me an email at to inspire at healthymind.life and I can definitely tell you what resources I have for you, how I can help you, and mostly how you can help yourself. You can help yourself and build your own credit. And there are also services, and some people are skeptical of some services, but I know the services that work for you and will be helpful for you. And then once we get your credit fixed, we can definitely get you in a direction where you can see the power of having good credit, right? Don't be afraid of your credit because if you are not tackling that issue, you're paying more in the long run. This is what happens in relationships is that we just neglect a lot of red flags. We're afraid to talk about things in the beginning. And then you find yourself at the end crying and sad and, oh my God, what was me? Because you didn't want to do the work up front. You didn't want to face it. Face your credit, guys. Do what you need to do to learn about your credit because it is a powerful tool out here. Some of us have been given the resources from the beginning and some of us have just learned about them, right? And I don't care. Make sure that if if you're that person that's just learning about it today, start looking at it. Do not avoid the debt collectors when they call you. There are things called hardship plans that will stop the interest rates on some credits um, cards so that you don't keep paying the interest and you can work out a payment plan but be smart with those as well make sure you pay that debt off as soon as you can especially if it's an active debt so that you cannot occur the repercussions of having that neglected once you neglect things like that it is worse for you in the long run so the important thing to take away is once something happened if you tackle that problem from the beginning there's not a lot of things happening at the end, you know. You know, there's not a lot of mistakes you have to clean up. But also, if you have made a lot of mistakes, they can be cleaned up as well, right? So take it from both sides. Where, where do you want to be? Do you want to keep waiting, right? Do you want to wait forever so you have more to clean up? Like, it's like if your house is getting dirtier and dirtier, right? That one Saturday, like, I clean my house. It's going to take you longer versus if after everybody... Clean, eat their meal, they all wash their own plate, it's done. Solution solved, right? But if we keep tackling on more, it's just more, you know, there's more that you got to take out of yourself, right? Okay, so next thing um, when it comes to finances is invest in, invest time in education, right? When you are buying a car, please educate yourself, Right, it's possible to buy the car and for it to be valuable at the end, but you you have to know how to do it. You want to be in positive equity, right? If you get above of the game, so you ask these questions at the beginning, you get your credit, you know, high enough to be able to afford it. You know that you can afford it. You can put things down. You can invest, right? And you start investing towards the principal because you understand these things, the importance of these things. You're playing the catch-up game with the interest rate calculator. You're playing a catch-up game with the um, the bank loan, right? To the point where you, let's say you're, you owe $7,000, right? You only owe $7,000 at this point. And then you look up on the blue book trade of, your, of the value of your car, and the car is worth $10,000. That means you have $3,000 to be working with. And that's where you want to be. That means that at the end, if you wanted to sell that car... You could sell that car and, you know, get that $3,000, you know, as far as that positive equity back. Or if you wanted to trade that car in and, you know, keep changing it up a little bit because you like change in your life, right? You can go in with that $3,000 and it's more likely that you will get, a, you know, the interest rate is lower again. You get the payment plan that you want and things like that. But you have to keep the, you have to make sure that you align with the principles of the matter, Right. So going back to self, 
if you are dealing with a relationship with yourself or other people, invest in yourself, right? Investing in yourself also go back to education, right? If I educate myself about my financial dealings, then I'm less stressful, right? And this may be different for each personality in each, you know, each situation is that maybe you have the money, maybe finance is not a problem, but you can always do it better if you educate yourself, right? Education does not have to be a one-time stop, right? Education is something that you continually give yourself because the more you educate yourself on the world and its game and its, its schemes as well as its, you know, cheat codes, you can be a lot more happier right? It will be an asset that you use towards your happiness. It's only one thing. We're not saying that finances make you happy because we know that people who are financially well off definitely may also be unhappy, right? But let's say you got your spiritual game on. Let's say you're feeling good about yourself, but finances are holding you back. Then you have to figure out the ways to align yourself with the education that will make your life a little bit easier, less stressful, right? Um, naturally. So investing in yourself is investing in your education. Going back to your finances, and the last point that I have um, when it comes to the self-tiffany statement is to reduce the principle, right? If you, and I mentioned this earlier, but just to for some clarity, is if you are buying a car and you're paying payments, one day you might say, okay, let's say your car payment is $250 a month, right? And you come in to a check, a nice check, and it's uh, extra $250 a month that you want to port towards putting this car down. When you call, and make sure you call, don't do an online payment. When you call and make that payment, you have to directly say, I'm applying this entire payment to the principal, right? The principal is what matters, Right? It's what matters when it comes to the value of that car. So apply it to the principle. And this is also going to help you in a long time reduce the print reduce the interest rate and um induce or indu- I'm sorry, reduce the impact of that interest rate, right? Because if you're applying early payments and you're reducing the interest rate, you are getting ahead of the game so that at the end you have positive equity. The goal is to obtain positive equity. Equity. Back to my last point about self and the self-tivity is also with the p- principle. Identify the principle and apply the principle in your relationships. Like, what are the key things, right? What's the, what? It, what matters, right? You know, when people when people are upset about something that people think you know is not a big deal, they always say it's the principle of the matter, right? We're looking at the principle, right? What matters to you, right? If you are getting into a relationship and you realize that this person comes with negative equity, right? But the negative equity doesn't, it's not something that you can chip away. Maybe you have something within you that you can invest and you can still cash on on this relationship, you know, for lack of better words. (laughs) You can, you know, cash on this relationship because you're saying, well, they have negative equity and blah, blah, blah. But... I feel like the way that we interact with one another, we can balance that. We can make that balance zero. You know what I mean? We have a, enough that we exchange with one another that I can, I'm comfortable working with this debt, right? So you're looking at yourself as the loan, you know, the loan advisor or the person who's giving a loan out on yourself, right? I'm going to loan because we don't belong to people, right? We're loaning our time and our space and our energy with someone else, right? So you're saying, I'm going to loan myself or, or my world with this other world or merge it and, and say I'm okay with this debt because this person is credible, right? We believe this person is credible because everywhere they apply other things, you know? Maybe it's that they make you laugh and you, and you know that laughter is important to you, Right? Maybe it's because they actually, you know, they might have some mommy issues or daddy issues, but they actually are good at finances, you know, and they're teaching you these things, right? So you definitely want to assess your relationships and look at the principle of the matter. You want to understand whether or not it's worth going into, okay? 
All right, so that is definitely the end of my self-tivity session of the podcast. I do have a question, and I'm going to post this question on uh, some of my social media platforms. And you can still respond on the Messenger app if you're listening to Anchor to give me your feedback. You can also send me an email to the following email address, T-O, that's it too, and inspire at healthbemind.life. So to inspire at healthbemind.life. And if you need the spelling for that, you can go to www.selfactivity.com and you can see um, at the very bottom of the website how you can send an email from there. And you can just title it, you know, question. It's still spelled question, but it, my exaggerative on it or my exact, me exaggerating on the word, word just means that we want to have a question, right? And we do want to provide some solutions with it or some perspective. So that's why I am so, like, question, you know. I can say the word regularly. (laughs) Okay, so here we go. This is what I'm going to start off our next episode with, and I hope that you guys still are entertained and are engaged. If you have some type of, you know, topic that you want me to research or something that you want me to go over, and if I can do it and I have the research to back it up, I definitely will um, dig into it. So you can also send that to the email address. Okay, here I am. I'm ready. So here's my question. When a person says sorry to you, how do you assess whether or not the sorry is credible? Okay? I'm going to say it one more time, and then I'm out. I'm out here. I'm out here. How do you say it? I'm out. I'm out of here. Never mind. I'm out here. I want to say out here like the cool way. We're like, I'm out here, y'all. Okay, never mind. All right, so here's my question, and I'm going to be out of this piece. Okay. When a person says sorry to you, how do you assess whether or not the sorry is credible? Thank you all for listening to the self to podcast. I really appreciate your feedback. I appreciate your listening and I appreciate you being who you are. Continue to be who you are and keep working on activities that's going to empower yourself. Until next time.